This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey there, folks. Before we get started on today's episode, we wanted to just mention that this is kind of an, an older episode that we are revisiting. Yeah, we recorded this episode uh, around this time last year. And uh, if you folks recall, as I'm sure you do, uh, wildfires uh, cropped up in earnest and derailed our podcasting plans here. We thought, well, a lot has changed a lot also hasn't changed since then. And this episode's still relevant to you folks, uh, you know, around this time. Yeah. So we, we thought it'd be fun to, to bring it back around, um, to pull it up from the archives, if you will, and, uh, and share it with you all. And so, you know, like Jim mentioned, there's some things that have changed. One of them that we should mention here is that in the episode, we talk about Cape Blanco State Park being closed and that park has since reopened, not entirely, um, but the they use area of the park and the campground is now back open. So just know that when you hear that in the episode. Yeah. And uh, obviously we are in the midst of a COVID-19 surge uh, once again here in Oregon. Goes without saying we talk about COVID-19 throughout uh, this episode here. A lot of that is still relevant. It's still time to pack your mask, your hand sanitizer, um, you know, be covid safe and conscious. All that said, uh, here is last year's and now this year's episode on things to do at the end of summer. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by the Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan, and together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And Jamie, I, I hate to break it to you, man, but uh, summer is winding down fast. Jim, no, <laughs> it's too fast. You know, it's weird, though. I feel like this has been just an exceptionally weird summer. Um and it has kind of flown by. I don't know about you, but for me, it really feels like it's flown by. And I feel like, you know, before we know it, you know, school is going to be back in for students if they're not already back. I'm sure some of them are. Um, and, you know, fall is just basically around the corner, isn't it? Yeah, I looked it up actually this morning and the equinox arrives September 22nd. So mm -hmm. we've only got a little bit of summer left. And this episode of the show is going to be all about how to make the most out of that time. That's right. We're going to talk about some of the best places to visit in late summer and early fall here in the Pacific Northwest. Jim, I know I have some of my go-to spots. I'm sure you have some of your own go-to spots. And we're going to get into those in a little bit. But first, Jim, I think we should hear from the people the other people here who are traveling around the Northwest. And I know you put out a call this week asking what some other folks are getting into this time of year. Yeah, I put out a tweet asking some folks uh, simply what some of their favorite summer, you know, late summer, early fall trips around the Northwest are. 
tossing out there bonus points for trips that are relatively close to home uh, and socially distant by nature. And I have to say, I got some pretty good responses. So I don't know, let's jump into some of the responses that I got from that call on Twitter for suggestions of where to travel. What do you say? Jim, that's a great idea. And one of the first responses we have here uh, from your your tweet is one that I think is a really, really good one for the fall, a great trip that people can take that gets you around the state a little bit and goes to some places that people don't necessarily think about. And that's a tour of the state's covered bridges. So I know like when people think about covered bridges, they typically think of like, I don't know, like Vermont or New Hampshire or Pennsylvania or something like those East Coast states where you, you tend to see those. But Oregon actually has the highest number of covered bridges of any of the Western states. We have a surprising number here. I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but I want to say it's in the 50s. Uh, I'll I'll interject, Jamie. I'm looking at a story of yours from September of 2017, and it says we have 54 covered bridges here in Oregon. That's kind of crazy. I mean, for a state that's not really known as a covered bridge state, there's a ton. A lot of them you'll find in sort of the the Willamette Valley area, especially as you get into the foothills of the Cascade Mountains. So you'll see some kind of around Eugene or Corvallis. um, And as you go up, there's little clusters. And you can take these road trips to go see two or three or four at a time. And it's just a really kind of delightful way to explore the area and some of these woods, especially in the fall as the, the the leaves start to change color. It's really nice. But he, even here in the late summer, you can find some shade, get a little bit of cool air coming off of the creeks. It's a really just sweet way to go and explore some of the state. Yeah. And I'm looking at this map you made of covered bridges. And really, for folks who live on the western half of the state, They're not going to have to go far to find a number of these. And I don't know, if you're looking for something to do, pick a couple, link them together. You can probably do it in a day. Pretty low footprint outdoor excursion and get to explore a little bit of the state's history while you do it. Yeah, I think that's kind of the trips that we're looking for here, especially when we're talking about pandemic friendly trips, things that are are where you can stay in your car and drive to some, some beautiful places as opposed to maybe getting out at attractions or popular hiking areas, you know, these, these road trips where you can just keep in your own little bubble and still enjoy some beautiful stuff. That's a really safe way to go about it. I think. I mean, we've talked on the podcast previously about some of our solo travel. And when we've set out on the, the trips that you and I both talked about, it was pretty much a stop for gas situation, limiting the amount of times you need to go in and out of a public facing a facility or restaurant or whatever it may be. Um, that makes me feel the best while I'm traveling, if I can just minimize those encounters uh, as best I can. So moving on down our list, the next stop is a trip to the Wallawas once the July and August influx of tourists has left. And I would imagine the little town of Joseph probably falls along the lines of those, uh, Jamie, that I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing here, but probably doesn't want a ton of visitors point blank uh, amid COVID. But yeah. the Wallawas beyond offer a little bit of room to roam, if you will. Yeah. We, we have seen a little bit of that this summer. Um, some locals in Joseph and Enterprise showing their displeasure at tourists coming in. 
Um, that that's not everyone in town, of course, and the towns there have not issued any sort of declaration like Ben did asking people to not come. Um, that said, it is an extremely busy and popular tourist town uh, most years. And I would imagine this year is probably no different. But the cool thing about the Wallawas is that there's a few different access points. You don't just have to go in there at Joseph. You can take some of the back forest roads around to, you know, the southern side of the mountains or some of these lesser used areas um, on the northern side and find these little access points and pockets where you can find backpacking trailheads or just some little campsites off the off the forest roads that you can stay at. I know our colleague Dave Killen recently did this um, with his girlfriend and his dogs and had a great time out camping in his van out there. So there's ways to find it um, out in the Wallawas away from the crowds. And, you know, this time of year, like you said, Jim, it's a great time of year to go up there. The weather's getting a little bit cooler. You're mm-hmm. not quite getting the mosquitoes you might get in the lakes up there. Mm-hmm. Uh the crowds tend to thin a little bit. It's a really, really nice time to go. Yeah. My one and only uh, backpacking trip in the Wallawas was in October. And I will say October is probably at least the time we went. I don't remember what time of, of the month it was. But when we went, it was, uh, let's just say, chilly and snowy where we camped. And uh, <laughs> yes, if you are the casual set that does not want to do the chilly and snowy, I would recommend uh, heading out sooner rather than later. And at the very least, checking in with a ranger or something beforehand to make sure where you're headed is not of the particularly chilly and snowy variety at the point where you're trying to visit it. Let's just say that was the trip where uh, I finally was like, you know what? I'm buying a warm sleeping bag. Ah, yes. The famous uh, <laughs> sleeping out in the open uh, trip. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Uh, that yeah. is that is my uh, while I was backpacking experience. Um, but a great place to visit. And Jamie, you hit the nail on the head. So keeping it out in eastern Oregon, another suggestion was to simply head east, maybe pick a, a, a destination point, Baker City, is what this uh, respondent suggested, and pick any two-lane route back to Portland. Jamie, lots of possibilities there. Yeah, I think the high desert in general is a good spot to go if you're looking to get away from people. There's a lot of places out there where obviously you have room to spread out because there's not forests in the way. And there's a lot of really lesser visited places out there, especially when you get out into, you know, the Strawberry Mountains, the Ochico Mountains, um, the Elkhorn Mountains out there by Baker City, uh, you can really find a lot of uh, empty space and some quiet for yourself out there if you want to get it. Uh, it does get pretty hot. So this time of year is kind of a, a good time of year to go out there, assuming there are no wildfires mm-hmm. that are burning where you're trying to go. Yeah. One recommendation that I would make uh, for folks planning a trip right now, wherever you're going around the state, just Google trip check, uh, which is an Oregon Department of Transportation tool that shows, among other things, traffic cameras around the state, road cameras. And just take a look and see, okay, does that camera look clear close to where I'm going? You can get a little bit of a sense of at least on the roadways, whether a particular area is smoky or not. One thing you probably don't want to do is to do a bunch of driving and end up in a place where the air quality is not good. 
you've got wildfire smoke and it's not going to maybe be your most healthy or definitely not your most picturesque trip that you can take. The next item on our list here is one that kind of goes in the opposite direction and it happens to be one of my favorite destinations. That is up in the San Juan Islands. This is a great time to go. I know I went a couple years ago in September and I had just a beautiful weather uh, and a great time out there in um, on San Juan Island itself. So the recommendation here um, is to stay at San Juan County Park and spend some days touring around the island, uh, waiting for orcas at Lime Kiln State Park. I have to say I love Lime Kiln State Park. If you haven't been, it is um, just a beautiful park on the shore of San Juan Island. You can kind of sit on the rocks there and watch boats pass by. Uh, if you're really lucky, as this uh, this reader recommended, you can see orcas swim right up close to shore there at the park. I haven't been that lucky to see them from shore at the park, but they do come there every couple of days or so. If your timing's right, it's a really, really special opportunity. Sounds amazingly cool. I have not made that trip yet. It's still one that I would love to do someday. And Jamie, for folks maybe looking to to head in the other direction, this same respondent here, the same recommendation, suggested heading south down the Oregon coast to Cape Blanco and enjoying a couple reasonably secluded beaches well off US 101. So Jamie, you are a resident coast expert. What do you have to say about that one? It's a great drive down there on the southern coast. I will say that this year, Cape Blanco is closed. It's one of the few Oregon State Parks on the coast that is still closed. So you can't go to Cape Blanco itself. But if you go just north, you can go to Flores Lake and to some of the beaches just off the the lake there that are really quiet, um, less explored. And you can get some of that same seclusion that this person is talking about. I like that. Sounds good to me. Have a, a couple suggestions too here from folks just talking scenic drives. And our good friend Rosie Stein, colleague here at the Oregonian, suggested some great drives out in Yamhill County. Uh, she went to school out there and it makes her think of fall. So she says, so Jamie, what do you got in terms of Yamhill County or simply good drives to go hop in the car and check out? I I, I have a feeling you've got a, a number of these uh, for <laughs> us here. I, I love driving around that kind of wine country area out there. It's, it's really beautiful, especially in, I think, the early fall and mid fall. You see some of the vineyards start to go yellow for the season, and it's just a really, really beautiful scene. I kind of just recommend exploring almost sort of aimlessly out there if you're mm-hmm. looking just for a drive just exploring some of those little back roads and winding around uh, i know jim my sister's family lives down in salem and i had to drive down there once for i think it was thanksgiving and trying to get down there after work was a disaster i Oof. didn't want to go on i5 thanksgiving weekend down to salem so i just decided to take the back roads instead it took i think an extra 45 minutes but it was i think well worth it as opposed to sitting in traffic. And it kind of took me around some of these back roads through wine country and down there to Marion County. And it was a beautiful, beautiful drive. There's a few little state parks out there. If you can find them, I would just tell folks to explore. You know, there's, I think one of my favorite things to do is just to get lost and to find myself again while driving. 
it's a really, really fun way to, to find some things that you didn't know existed out there pretty close to home. Get lost and find yourself again. Jamie, uh, such poetic <laughs> language here on the Peak Northwest podcast. I love it. And for folks who are maybe, eh, I don't know how much, how, how lost I want to get. I'm, I'm scrolling through right now a story that you did again in 2017. You're just killing it on the 2017 story game here. <laughs> Take a drive along Oregon's 16 scenic byways. And these are stretches of road set out uh, essentially through the most beautiful nooks and crannies of the state. We're talking down the coast, through the Cascades, across eastern Oregon, you name it, you've got it, basically. And scrolling through here, Jamie, if someone can't find something that they like, that they find beautiful, that they find worthy of a road trip, uh, I've got questions. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, there's so many good scenic byways. One of my favorite ones to do in there is just the loop around Mount Hood. We drive mm -hmm. on 84 out to the gorge, and then you, you, know, you hook south past Hood River and do that loop just around Mount Hood. If you want to, to go up to Timberline Lodge and get a closer look at the mountain. But gosh, the views of Mount Hood from there are phenomenal. And of course, the views of the gorge, as always, are phenomenal. It's just, I think, one of the most scenic little loops you can do close to Portland. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say, I'm still, I'm scrolling up and down through this post, uh, this story that you did in 2017. We'll make sure to link to it in the show notes. The photography from along these 16 scenic byways, really gorgeous. And, uh, if folks are at a loss of where to go, pick one of these suckers, and uh, I'm pretty sure you probably won't be disappointed. That said, I, I need to shout out a, a slightly different option, Oregon's Scenic Bikeways. This was not a recommendation uh, shouted across by uh, any of the folks online, but I will just say that Oregon's Scenic Bikeway program, kind of the same general idea as the byways, but for bikes, uh, as the name would imply, gives you all sorts of good options, varying in difficulty, varying in location. And I would have to imagine that fall, late summer would be a really good time to give some of them a shot. So if you're interested in that, we will also link to Oregon's Scenic Bikeways in the show notes. Jim, the last recommendation we have from Twitter here is the Upper McKinsey Valley and McKinsey Pass over the Cascade Mountains. I have not explored that area a ton, but I will say that actually I'm, I'm having some time off for the equinox on the 22nd, and I am going to be camping there along the McKinsey River in that area anyway. So it's an area that I'm about to find out a little bit more about. I would love to hear about that, actually. Sounds like the makings of a, a potentially good podcast episode or part of a podcast here. Sounds fun. I also am not necessarily a resident expert as far as that neck of the woods goes, but I have done part of a scenic bikeway that stretches to the top of Mackenzie Pass. And this is a very cool deal. Starting in, I think we started in Sisters, um, climbed up the mountain pass, on our bikes. I'm looking at uh, the Travel Oregon website right now. It lists the difficulty, Jamie, as extreme. Uh, I don't know that it was extreme. I have to say it with that emphasis because that's the <laughs> way you say extreme things. Um, but rode to the top of the pass and uh, did it at a time of year where it was not open to cars. So it was especially cool because there was still snow on the sides of the road. 
I think it was actually snowing a little bit. Didn't have to contend with any vehicles. Did have to contend with uh, less than ideal bike situation. On the way down, my brakes were not... Uh, not operating the way that uh, one would like them to on a mountain pass. Let's uh, just put it that way. Uh-oh. So <laughs> uh, no it, it, it was, uh, I'm not going to say ill-fated, but uh, it was a little bit scary. Let's let, let, let's yeah. just leave it there. But that is oh not God. to detract from uh, the grandeur of Mackenzie Pass. And uh, Jamie, I would highly encourage you while you're out there, Drive your way up to the top and uh, give a good look because it is a pretty scene. Well, I will say too about the sort of that McKinsey River area. There are a little, a lot of little campgrounds along the highway out there, and uh, one of the most popular destinations I, I'd say in that area is Terwilliger Hot Springs, which is just south of um, that the highway. A great spot to go to when the the, the air gets a little chilly. Uh, that late summer, early fall, it's, you know, not covered in snow, so it's easy to access. There's, I think, maybe camping by the river and taking a dip in the hot springs. Sounds like a pretty good way to me to end the season. Sounds mighty nice. Also sounds like something a lot of people might be interested in doing. Uh, so maybe, <laughs> right. maybe, well, uh, not hating on it, just saying using one of our Jamie Hale travel tips going at an off time. That's right. Maybe rolling in at a, a time of day that you don't think will be particularly busy or a day of the week that might not be particularly busy as well. And Jamie, I would be remiss to uh, end our list of Twitter suggestions without mentioning one more, which is someone responded that, boy, the Lloyd Center, it's nice this time of year, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, I would, I would, uh, take umbrage with that. Uh, I think the Lloyd Center is not nice any time of year, but you know what? That's just my, I think my only memory of the Lloyd Center, my strong memory of it is getting my wallet stolen while I was trying on a pair of pants in a dressing room. Oh, that's terrible, Jamie. So, so I don't have a lot of love for the Lloyd Center in my heart. Uh, at the moment. Well, (laughs) I I suppose that's okay. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit more about some of our late summer and early fall favorites right after a short break. All right, folks, we are back talking about good late summer and early fall destinations here in the Northwest. Jamie, now it's time for some of our favorites. So what do you usually like to get into this time of year? Well, I got to shout out a spot that I kind of discovered as a late summer spot for myself last summer, uh, which is Waldo Lake. Ooh. You know, it's it's not a secret spot. I don't think Waldo Lake, pretty much uh, a lot of people have heard of it. It's one of these places that's really just so beautiful. And one of the clearer lakes, I think, in Oregon, um, you know, just a beautiful spot. No motorized boats are allowed. So you see a lot of sailboats and kayaks and there's a wilderness on the other side and a lot of good camping. Uh, but it also is a place that's known for crowds and it's known for uh, its voracious mosquitoes in July. So it's not a great time to go to in your peak summer travel time. So I find it it's a really good spot to check out at the end of summer. So typically, I, I would say, you know, after Labor Day and before the campgrounds close around the middle of September, which is a short window, I know, but it's just, I think, a really good time to get out there if you want to enjoy it with 
just a little bit less uh, of a crowd, especially if you go midweek and you don't have to worry about the mosquitoes very much at all that time of year. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot to end summer with. Sounds really nice. And I know that going to a spot that is known for its bugs, if that's part of the, you know, standard disclaimer of going there midsummer, going there when the bugs are not around and probably mm-hmm. when the crowds are less, that's going to make your experience so much nicer, right? Exactly. Uh, so that sounds like an A plus recommendation. Um, as would really any spots where you're thinking the heat of the summer, the crowds are really bustling. In a quote-unquote normal year, a lot of these more popular places are going to get a little less busy as we enter the shoulder season. Yeah, I think pretty much any of these Cascade Mountain destinations, if you can get there when it starts to get a little cooler and the crowds start to disperse, uh, but before the snow falls again, that's kind of the sweet spot, I think. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I do a lot of at the end of the summer is go to some of those those places right there. Places that are going to get snowed out here soon as fall gets underway. Um, and of course, with climate change, that shoulder season is starting to grow a little bit more, as we've been seeing at Crater Lake, which is now open into October uh, in recent years. So that you may have a little bit more time than you used to. But it, it's really, it would really behoove you to get in there as summer is ending to make sure you can get to those spots while you still can. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. And I guess I feel like a, a lot of what I try to do in the fall is to chase the good weather and take advantage of whatever the season gives me. So, you know, late summer, you can still count on, you know, at least around these neck of the woods, pretty reliably good weather most of the time, you know, knock on wood uh, in case there's maybe wildfire smoke or your occasional day of rain or whatnot. But as we creep into fall a little bit more, I don't know, I'm just trying to seek out uh, those perfect cool nights and mornings, relatively moderate, but still warm enough days and spending some time outside before winter rolls around. And, uh, you know, let's be honest, my outdoor activity becomes a lot more focused on going out and enjoying the snow and less so doing other things. So I don't really have one recommendation other than follow the weather and see what you can come up with. This is really, I think, the best time to visit and explore the Pacific Northwest. Honestly, when people from out of town ask me, like, when should I come visit the region? I always tell them September, 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 because the weather tends to be pretty perfect, wildfire smoke notwithstanding. And the crowds tend to be a little bit less. And of course, all of this this year comes with a caveat that because of the overcrowding due to the pandemic, we don't really know what it's going to look like, whether or not crowds are going to lighten up a little bit after Labor Day, as they usually do. So just keep that in mind. And as we said at the top of the show, bring backup plans with you and make sure that you're taking the proper precautions before heading out in terms of keeping yourself safe during the pandemic. Yeah. And if you can, traveling during the week is probably going to uh, result in fewer crowds than, of course, if you were traveling on the weekend. So Jamie, All that said, this is getting me stoked for a little bit of late summer, early fall around Oregon. What about you, man? Jim, I'm excited for it. 
I am super excited. Like I said, this is the time when I usually do my traveling. And while a lot of my September traveling plans I had at the beginning of the year are obviously not happening this year, uh, didn't buy those plane tickets to Santa Fe that I was going to buy. You know, it, I think it just it still opens up opportunities to go explore parts of the state, parts of the region that, like you said, are really, really beautiful this time of year. So I can't wait to get back out there, Jim. Well, Jamie, I'm looking forward to hearing what you get into late this summer and early this fall, probably on future episodes of the podcast. If we're being honest, everything we do <laughs> is fodder for this here show. But for this time around, I think it's time to say goodbye. So folks, you can watch our Peak Northwest videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel. And please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. And, and you can find details all about that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. This episode of the show was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot Noose. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.